Yo ya te lo dije, pero que sé yo, right? I'm gonna odiarme, but I'm still gonna live my life. Heck of emotion, that's why you lose yourself every time. They yelling DK, like what do I know, right? Hi guys, welcome to another episode of DK with your host, Sarah Vega. And today we have an awesome guest. Her name is Minima Rush, and she's an author. Slash, 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 slash. You know that in this episode, well, I mean, in this podcast, I'm always interviewing people that are the slashers, aka they might work, but they also have true passions, true callings, and they're all answering whatever. They're throwing whatever work um, against the wall, and whatever sticks, that's what they're doing. So. Here, we're just trying to chase dreams, and I'm giving the opportunity for people to come in with their 30 titles and see what's up and see what you guys actually like hear from them. So please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Manima Rush. Um, I'm from North New Jersey, born and raised. Um, currently, I am working uh, in Jersey City at the hospital. So that's my, like you said, slash, slash, <laughs> my daytime job. I work with people with HIV and AIDS, so I'm a medical case manager, yeah. So it's an intense job, but it's very fulfilling. Um, but my other slash is that I am a writer, so I've been writing poetry and just writing short stories since 11. And I finally decided to write my first book. So I just call, um, titled it Too Many Tongues in My Mouth. So I kind of went with the, like, when people first hear it, they go, what is this, like, <laughs> an urban book, like, sex tales, and it's completely the opposite. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's another, like, Terry Woods part, too. No shame yeah. Terry Woods, but I love Terry Woods, okay? The originator of the, of the hood books, but those, those books are bomb. But there's some other ones that are... <laughs> so that's not you at all. No, no. So I just wanted a title that was very catchy but also meant something to me because I feel like with poetry you have some people who write like when people think of like Maya Angelou they always think of some type of like heartfelt like she went through something or inspiring women kind of poem but I feel like mine's varied so you can get like a heartfelt poem but then at the same time you can get a poem that's like completely off the wall and I decided to just type with too many thumbs in my mouth it's like different personalities, different things I've gone through. And then so it was like catchy, but then it was like it's not just a one category or you can't just put it in one box. Right. So with that said, thank you for describing what you actually write about to the audience. And I would like to mention to everyone listening, I've been getting a lot of poets lately. <laughs> I've been getting a lot of poets. You know, hitting me up, friending me, following me, stopping me in the street. It's real cool, real crazy. And, you know, the poetry world, I love it. I'm not a performer. I'll sit and listen, give you a little golf clap. And, you know, but I noticed that a lot of you guys are very intense. Do you do performances? No, no, no. I'm not, uh, what do they call it, spoken word? Yeah. That is, yeah, that's not me. I'm not like a word Um, I just basically, I'll like write a poem. And like, it took a long time for me to actually share. Like, people knew I could write just based on how I storytell. Like, if I go through something, I'm like, this just happened. And they're like, it's like a story. 
So it was like, people know I can write, but when it came to my poetry, it was like, I felt like it was too personal. And it was like, uh, it's too personal and I don't want anybody to feel like they have an opinion about what I'm going through or that I care about their opinion. So it was like, no, I'm not going to share it. And then it was finally when I had my son and then it was, I was going through like postpartum depression and it was wasn't that I wasn't connected with him because I completely connected with him. That was the problem. Like everything just him, him, him. And it was like everything around me was like, well, you don't want to do this no more. You don't want to do that no more. And it was like, oh my God, I got to like find myself. So I went through all like my books. And I just was like, hmm, if anything was ever happened to me, I would want him to know who his mother was. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just put it out there. I'm going to just make a book of my well, majority of my difficult. I have like 80 questions. So I'm going to try <laughs> to pick out the best one. Right? <laughs> First off, I'm not, I'm, I'm very, I know the differences of poetry, right? But I'm not super, super well-versed. Can mm-hmm. you describe the different types of poetry that there are out there to the audience? Okay, so like when most, like when you first said, like when somebody think of a poet, they automatically think like spoken word. And honestly, that's not like, like that's a performance piece, but that's like just one genre. So when you write poems, you have like surrealism poems. So those are like poems where basically think of like an Alice in Wonderland kind of story. So it's things that's like off the wall and kind of like silly. Then you have image poems. So that's basically like a description. They give you a like vivid description of certain things, but it's also poetry within it. Mm -hmm. Then you have art poem. And that could be a poem that's basically about art. So you have different kinds of poems and that's like within my book also. And then I'll say personally, all of mine's majority usually come from an experience. So I feel like with me, I'm always at one end of the spectrum. spectrum. So it's either everything is like intense, like a hundred, or it's like I'm very nonchalant and don't care about anything. So I feel like my poems are like really intense with emotion or like completely the opposite like very silly and like upbeat you mentioned and i'm glad you mentioned the spectrum of your feelings because you mentioned mm-hmm. having a son you mentioned postpartum mm-hmm. you mentioned depression and you mentioned wanting for your son to see your work mm-hmm. which you know if you translate it you want to leave a legacy you're leaving mm-hmm. a legacy right mm-hmm. that's been a real common theme too throughout the years that i've been doing this uh, podcast, and I've had uh, several other mompreneurs mm-hmm. that you know almost share your same point. You said something really important. You were like, everything was just about him. You know, well, I don't like to do certain things anymore, or do I like to do certain things anymore? When did it click for you that you needed to get back to your own words and your own things to be a better mom for your son? Yeah. So I would say. Initially, you know, like when you become a mom, you really don't know what to expect. So, of course, you know you're pregnant. You know you need to buy, like, the baby clothes. You need to buy, like, a crib, all that stuff. But when the baby actually gets here, like, when I first seen him, I was happy. But I was like, oh, shit, I got to take him home with me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) That's real, though. Yeah, like, I'm like, 
oh, there's no more nurses. There's no more mom and dad right here. His dad is going to eventually have to go to work also. Like, no one can sit with me all day. So the first time I was left with him by myself, like, okay, so let me just give you background. But I was the only child with my mom for 16 years. So if you are the only child, you will understand. You don't have to think about no one but yourself. So up until 20, I had my son at 27. Uh, 27 years was just me, Manima, Manima, Manima. So I was very selfish. So when I had him the first time I was by myself with him, it changed because the things you think that are so simple, like you can get up and go pee. You can get up and go take a shower. You could get up and run to the store. You could get up and go, oh, I want to go hang out, go to a movie. It's not like that no more. When I first had him, if he's up and I have to go pee, I have to carry him in the bathroom with me. If he's asleep and I have to take a shower, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to leave him in the bed. He's little if he roll over, if he suffocates. It's like so many things. So now I'm putting him in his little chair and I'm rolling it into the bathroom and then I'm one foot out the shower trying to watch, still watch him. It's like a lot. And then it went into, now I became compulsive about everything. Like, Oh, I was just anxious and scared that everything would happen to him. Like, oh, I don't want him to sleep this way. I would not go to sleep because I was trying to make sure he was fine while he was sleeping. So then his dad and my mom was like, okay, you're doing too much. You you, understand you want to be a good mom, but you're overdoing it. I no longer wanted to go out. I used to go out everywhere. I never sat down. And then it was just one day when his dad wanted to go out with his friends. And I'm just like, how you want to lead a baby? Like, how are you comfortable to go out and leave him in the house? And he's like, what? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, you have to get out the house. And then it was when I went back to work, I was nervous. So I went back to work when he was four months. So when I finally was at work, I felt so happy. Like, literally, I thought I was going to think about him. And when we work, I did not think about it. I don't want that to sound bad. Like, of course, I called to see how he was doing because he was with my mom. I'm sure the moms on this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> totally. All I could hear in the back, like, yes, bitch. I don't know. I've got kids. I'm still selfish. But I could hear them in the background already. Yeah. So, like, when I call, I would call my mom at my lunch. She's like, he's fine. But I was at work, and once I seen I was back in the flow of things, and it's easier when you know your child's with someone you can trust. So I didn't put him in day camp after he was one years old. So before then, he was with my mom, and I know clearly I can trust my mom. So it makes it more, it was easier to slide back to myself, because before I literally was just locking myself at home. But once I had to go back to work, it kind of helped me ease back into okay, let's get back into myself, okay. And then I also breastfed, so that's another, you have to pump before you eat. It was like a lot. (laughs) So how did the poetry save you? Just reminded me, like, when I look back at it, it just reminded me of me. Because at the end of the day, whether you're in a relationship, whether you have kids, whether you're starting a business, just you always have to remember those little things that make you you. So once I was reading over old poems I had, I'm like, damn, I did. Yeah, I do remember when this happened and I wrote about this. So the, and it just helped me remember who I was. And I was like, okay, I am a mom now, but it's not about just being a mom. Like, everything's about just him. He's not even going to know who you are because it's like all he's going to know is you're doing everything he wants you to do. Right. So then, you know, this is why I think that the slashes, the slashers of the world that have like 80 hustles is important because I'm sure, 
I used to be HIV counselor as well. And I know I've had stories for years doing Mm -hmm. that. So how did that impact also your poetry? HIV, well, being a a medical case manager, yes. So I would say more so it wasn't just like, so I feel like my poetry is me. So I'll say how it impacted me as a person was just realizing, like, when people hear HIV or AIDS, they instantly be like, oh, my God. Like, they think the worst. Like, you, you're not going to get it working there. And I'm like, how did, because I breathe. Like, we could be sitting next to somebody right now who has it. Like, you're not going to get it. I would say working there has made me become more open-minded. I'm already, like, very carefree with things. But it also made me open-minded and see that it's not, HIV and AIDS is not, like, the end of the world. Not, like, a death sentence, like, how we used to be before. Now there's people who look just as healthy, still living, still doing a lot of things. So I would say it just made me realize that it's more openness to be more open, as well as, like I said, it's not the end of the world. If I meet people who are just living their life, doing the best that they, oh, yeah, I'm going here. Like, one of my clients just went skydiving. I'm like, oh, my God, how was it? Oh, girl, it was good. I'm like, oh, okay. My other one just walked in fashion week. So it's like, it just lets you know that you can't just always have like a routine. Like sometimes routines are good, but it could become a comfortable spot that you can get stuck in. And before you know it, you're like a robot. You're not even really enjoying life. Like you're just like, oh, I know I got to go here Monday to Friday, nine o'clock. Oh, and then on the weekend, I'm just going to relax because then on Monday, I got to go right back to work. So don't just get caught up. Just seeing people who've been told, oh, you you could possibly die this day because your count, your immune system is bad now. And they still just doing, living their best life. It's like, you know what? I could do those same things too. And so not just get caught like up. like their experience inspired your poetry, like for you to just go forward with it, go hard with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not oh. feel as though, like, and not look at it as, oh, it's just mine. I don't want nobody to know. It's like, no, it is your poem, but somebody could actually probably connect to it. Right. Or maybe feel like, okay, I'm not alone. This person went through the same thing I went through. Or this person's spirit. Or this person see this the same way I see it. So, yeah. You know, I, I used to, I had like a million fucking jobs. Mad part-times. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But. As many of you know, I used to work in a bookstore <laughs> and I saw the, um, there was like a poetry section, obviously, and they all had like the same aesthetic, right? Like the book covers had the same aesthetic, you know, it was a lot of R.H. Sin going on and like, you know, like that type of look. Mm-hmm. What are some of the trends in poetry that you don't like and some of the trends that you're like, this needs to make a comeback? Okay, let me see. Well, I don't want it to sound bad, but you know how, like, some people, when they're working on something, they tend not to, like, say if you're a writer and you're doing a movie. You don't want to watch TV or watch another movie because you don't want it to influence yours. So when I started working on my book, I literally did a year. I didn't read no one else's poems. I didn't look at any books because I didn't want someone else's writing to become my writing. Right. The weird thing is I actually listen more to music. I don't know if this like I just listen more to music, but like 70s and 80s songs. Cause I feel like the songs did have more like a feel, a meaning. It wasn't just about the beat. It was like actual instruments. But I would say as far as so of course I love Toni Morrison, but she wasn't like a poet, she was a writer. 
So I would say what I really liked about her stuff is like the images she puts into her book, like the detailed descriptions. So I'm going with that. And I'm more into, and it's weird, but Dr. Seuss, the kid book. <laughs> Inspiration comes from everywhere. Dr. Yes. Out here, so, you know. So, it's like, so when I think of Dr. Seuss, his poems and books all have, like, a bigger message and a meaning, but he makes it colorful for kids to understand. So, when my friends laugh at me because if they go through something, I would literally quote a Dr. Seuss book. And they like, did you just give me, like, one fish, two fish, like, three? I'm like, but don't think about that. Think about the actual right, 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 right. that's behind it. So I would say, if anything, I feel like my poems are like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like more, sometimes you may see it was, what appears on the page when you first read it, you're like, oh, that's nice. But then when you go back and read it again, you're like, oh, wait, but this was she actually meant under it. So I would say that's how my poetry is. So oh, the yeah. first time you read yeah. it, you may feel one way. And then when you read it again, it's like, oh, okay, wait, maybe it was this so you could say one of your, like your book and your style of writing, it's kind of like you have to reread it. Yes. And you I, will get a different message each and every time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty awesome. What is your, do you have a big goal for your poetry? I would just say really, I always set out with like one thing, but then like the way I am, I just take off. Like it's just like I'll be like, oh, yeah. So everything started with a website. Oh, I'm gonna just make a website and put my poems on it. Before you knew it, it went from the website to oh, then the book came, and then it's like okay, now it was like you know what, try to do a book tour now. So it was just I just always have one goal, and then once that's like this, like oh, I want something harder now. Right, and why do you, why do you challenge yourself like that? Because I don't like what's easy. I don't know. I get bored so easily. <laughs> I get bored easily. I think it's like being a perfectionist and just really getting bored easily. So I don't feel like someone else is going to challenge me. Like you know, when you're a kid, of course your parents challenge you, but I'm an adult now. So if I don't challenge you, again, you're going to become comfortable, and then before you know it, you get stuck somewhere. I don't like becoming comfortable and I don't like things that's easy and I don't like sit still. What's a good piece of advice you have for someone who wants to be a poet and feels like their shit is lacking? Being authentic. Because I feel like everybody, of course, someone's going to think, think of like uh, a Rihanna or Beyonce. At some point, somebody thought they was corny. I'm sure at the beginning, someone's like, oh, yeah, this person's not. Oh, no, they're not writing good. I would just say, be yourself and don't always listen to like the first no. Don't let that deter you what you want to do. The first no is just, that's one of many no's, but it's going to be that one yes that's going to change your life. And also it's going to be that one person that's going to come to you and go, this really saved me or this really helped me with this. Have and you I was say, that? yes, I have. I really have. have. I was like, oh, what's up? What's up with that? I just was like, Oh, really? You write? Like, remember, I said I had a website. So I had like two people actually write me, and someone was actually over in Tokyo. That's what I was like, What the? How do you find my website? Like, oh, it's like, Oh, Twitter. And I'm like, Really? I'm barely be on my Twitter. Okay. And it's just like, Thank you. So I would just say, Yeah, always in practice, like, again, challenge yourself. It was a point 
now that I have a son, I don't write every day. But before him, I would literally write every day. Even if it was it was something stupid. I would write about the breakfast I made and just try to make it into a poem. But it was just just to keep practicing and also to help with vocabulary. Do you feel that the art of conversation is lost now that you just said that you write every day and you know you try to really, you know, practice your craft? Yeah, I do feel like the art of conversation is lost. Like think of like social media. Like, now people don't want to FaceTime to talk. People don't want to meet to talk. They want to just text. But then when you text, you don't even, you could misread how the text go. Because I do that sometimes. Now people have to throw in an emoji or LOL just so you can know it's not, like, a serious. Yeah. And it's, like, too much when I can literally just be like, hey, yeah, this, this, this. It takes, like, 30 seconds. You come in here? No. All right. Okay. See you later. Yeah, team <laughs> phone calls, team voice notes, team FaceTime, like, um, <laughs> I got mm-hmm. to to text. Like, I'll text you if it's something really not important, but, you know, I, I, I agree with you on that. And also, as far as with, like, the conversation, I feel like when, if people don't know how to express themselves, they won't be able to accept the person who does. Like it's like so let's say if you and I know how to have a conversation, but then we meet someone who doesn't, that person is gonna make it seem like we don't know how to communicate. And it's weird because you need communication just in life period. Right, right. So you know I just wanna cause so the last thing that I wanted to touch upon mm-hmm. was your bookstore. Yes. So, what is, is this your first book for? Like, give, give me some details. So, basically, right now, I'm working on with the publisher, and they're going to publish it. So, when I publish it, I want to do, like, you know, a book signing event. And then after that, I wanted to start off with just going to, you know, well, we're on the East Coast. So, of course, I'm going to start locally, going to, like, cities in New Jersey, and also just different states on the East Coast. And you go to, like, other book signings at other, like, book clubs or at other bookstores because I found a lot of Black-owned bookstores. Nice. And and it's more that's down south, so I'm going to have to make my way down there. So it's really, I don't have a publicist, so it's, like, doing the footwork right now. But I feel like it's going to start off small, but once I get running, like, I'm going to just take off. (laughs) Well, I mean, I wish you the best of luck. Obviously, when you have steady dates, you know, let me know. I will share it. I will of course. To spread the word because I'm all about just, I love word. Like, I love words. I love communication. I love the speed words. Like, I'm very into all that. So, I'm very excited that you're actually going to make mm-hmm. So, I just want to give a quick FYI. If you hear a baby screaming, Manima's a mom. She just got to work and we're doing this. <laughs> doing this so please don't hate, you know, we're about he's to just wanted to put that quick FYI because it was like, it started small and then it just got louder. I'm like, oh, okay. He's telling us like little Einstein's is coming on. And I need my- <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you. This is big time. You know, share where everyone can find you. Give yourself three minutes of promo and go. Okay, so I'm on Instagram 
Uh, you can follow me at Too Many Tongues, T-O-O-M-A-N-Y-T-O-N-G-U-E-S. And also I have my personal account, Carefree Manima. So I would prefer you to follow me on Too Many Tongues, though. <laughs> so I have that. And once you follow me there, you'll be able to find out more about my book uh, release date and the book tours, book signings. And I'm also going to be having a pre-sale before the book comes out. Um, so yeah. And if you have anything as far as you want to email me, if you're like a book club or you want me to come by and have a guest appearance, um, for the book tour, you can email me at Eileen, Allen, Allen, sorry, <laughs> of Misfit Homes. So I-S-L-A-N-D-O-F-M-I-S-F-I-T-P-O-E-M-S at gmail.com. <laughs> all of it in the description um, <laughs> you know because i understand you know sometimes when people let to me too like oh say all your socials and i'm like all right well follow me at and it's like five different pages and i gotta repeat them and spell them so i totally get it but i will have all your info um i will have it all in the information box obviously i will totally put it all on my stories you know have one hand watch this i'm so grateful one Everyone, she definitely worked around my schedule because we all know I stay running around like a chicken with his head cut off. <laughs> and she's doing this with a crying baby. So I just want to give you tons of props. Thank you for giving me the time of day. And thank you for reaching out. And thank you for allowing me to do this. I appreciate it. Well, of course, anytime. So with that said, guys, I will provide all the info and until the next one. Yo ya te lo dije, pero que se yo, right? I'm gonna yell me, but I'm still gonna live my life. Heck of emotion, that's why you lose yourself every time. They yell in DK, like what do I know, right?